Hey everybody, welcome to Naval Geezing, the Valley Indie Podcast. The podcast is a vlogcast this week because I'm doing it on Zoom. First things first, the guest this week, I'm very excited to have this conversation, is the Ansonia Superintendent of Schools, Dr. Joseph DeBacco. Welcome to the broadcast, Mr. DeBacco. Oh, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'll apologize in advance. You're going to hear a lot of banging and screaming from upstairs. Uh, it's We're recording this 3 p.m. on Tuesday, a few days before Thanksgiving. My kids are remote learning, and this is the time of day uh, where they just start rebelling, and they're getting sick of their work, and uh, so they're carrying on. But I guess everybody in the Valley just about is going through the same thing this week if you have uh, kids in school. And my kids are uh, second grade and fifth grade. But... Uh, before we begin, I just want to read a quick note from uh, the sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Uh, While giving back is always in season, now is a great time to plan your gift. Name a Valley nonprofit in your estate plan and create a legacy that tells future generations what matter to you. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Your action will inspire others to make a difference in their own way. Remember the Valley. Ask your accountant, financial planner, or attorney about planned giving options. Plan now, give later, impact tomorrow. Learn more at valleygivesback.org. So, and the other thing I wanted to mention very briefly, uh, you know, Team Inc.'s Toys for Kids, the annual toy drive that happens every year is happening. If you want to apply, uh, and I've seen this on social media a lot, I did a podcast a week ago, uh, but not everybody listens to podcasts or watches these. But if you go to teaminc.org, you can sign up uh, if you qualify to be a recipient of this year's annual uh, Toys for Kids drive. Or if you want to donate, they make it very easy to donate. And you just have to go to teaminc.org. Also, people have been asking about uh, food donations. I know Thanksgiving's right here. I posted about five last week. Not everybody saw them. But the, I got one today, Derby Centennial. Lions Club Food Drive is coming up Saturday, December 5th. That's going to be in front of 69 Elizabeth Street in Derby. And that benefits the Spooner House uh, over in Shelton. So I know a lot of people uh, are feeling a certain way. You know, the holidays are here, but it doesn't kind of feel like Thanksgiving. And there's so much going on. We've been through so much since March. Uh, but there are ways you can take action. You know, there's that old saying, uh, change a thought by taking action or something. I just butchered that. But uh, but anyway, enough of that. I, I thought we would talk, Dr. DeBacco, about the decision in Ansonia to go to remote learning. You and I had a phone conversation about a month ago, and it was the first time it sort of uh, laid bare to me how much time superintendents, uh, administrators in school districts, and, and teachers, everybody collectively, uh, is spending so much time uh, on COVID. So what was the uh, final uh, straw the, that, the, 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 you, you, that caused you to, to switch to remote learning? And I'll learn to speak by the end of this broadcast. Don't you worry. So will I. So will I. Um, what the, uh, more of the impetus and what, uh, what was occurring were conversations that we were having with our district medical advisor. And, and what what really, you know, brought everything up um, to to the forefront was looking at our community spread and really looking at what the numbers said. And uh, DP, Department of Public Health (DPH) they put out a, a guide for schools. It said once you hit a threshold of twenty five per one hundred thousand, you should really, you know, that's when you should be, uh, 
going to remote learning. And um, in typical Ann Sonia fashion, we're overachievers. Excuse me. We went from that's okay. Uh, this this will start making noise in a second too. I'll be getting text messages. We yeah, went, you were you guys were you guys had exceeded that quite but by, yeah. quite quickly. Yeah, we went from the yellow, we forgot the orange, the overachievers, we went right to the red. And um, we were about we were over 25. And um, I really worked with our district of medical advisor and say, listen, and at first we're one see if it would be sustained at 25 or if we would drop back down or if, if it was going to increase. And that at that point, you know, we were in school for about a week and I said, you know what? I want my board and the public to hear from what I'm hearing from my medical advisor to understand the decisions that we're gonna, that I'm gonna have to make moving forward. And on November 11th uh, at our board meeting, Dr. Casablanca came and our board members asked questions. He was um, pretty frank and pretty honest with what he was seeing in the community and what was going on in hospitals and who was being hospitalized and who was being impacted by COVID. And um, the other thing that I, I think people also forget is um, you know, COVID is indiscriminate, but it does disproportionately impact you know black and brown populations. And we look at our school population and I look at the population of Ansonia, our school population is about 70, 70%, it's a minority majority population. I also looked at, had to look at the housing, um, the housing that we have in Ansonia. When you look at, I think it's 49 or 50% of our housing is uh, multifamily. And um, we're looking at our, a lot of our students and families in general that are living multi-generational in multi-family housing in the 10th most densely populated city in the state of Connecticut and 6.2 square miles. So when, when you look at, at that and also understanding the fact that it's something that I bring up oftentimes, schools, our schools, the mitigation, the things that they're making us do in schools is, um, is it unbelievable. I mean, I, I don't want to you know put a, a store or anything out there, but I it's a it, they are safer than going to the gym or any 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 place else because um, you know we have extra hands on deck, sanitize. It's just things that we have to do in schools, but they're only with me for six hours. Eighteen hours they're in the community, and um, what he also brought up, Doctor Casablanca said, you know, we were very fortunate that we had warm weather all the way up until about that Wednesday of that week. And then it got mm. cold pretty quick. And then he said, you know, you're going, there's going to be something called the COVID fatigue where people are just done with quarantining, but also the weather being colder, people are going to be inside. And if they're going to be inside, he said, Joe, are they going to be in tight quarters? Are they going to be, you know, you know, fraternized? Are they going to be on top of each other? And the answer is in Ansonia, the answer is yes. I mean, um, it's, um, yes, I mean, we have the multifamilies, we have people living multi-generationally. And um, when you looked at that, our, our numbers even spiked even higher. And um, his input, even though I, as difficult as it, as it could be, because I, I really, I know students need to be in school. I get it. Mm. As a father of a, I have a kindergartner and, and a second grader. Um, and I have a 19 month old and I know my wife, there's days that it just, it's very, very tough and I, I get it. But at the same time, I, I look at, I look at my teachers. I look at my students. I look at my families. I would not want anything to ever happen to granny, auntie, or, or someone, someone else, or my staff members, my paras, my secretary, I, I just can't. And so the answer for us at this juncture 
was to um, to go remote. And the, re the reason why it was remote was staffing was becoming unbelievably difficult. And I don't understand how other districts aren't at the same uh, level. So another thing that we had to do is my assistant superintendent, myself, we did a, a complete analysis on our staffing and where people lived and if they had school-aged children. By, by looking at where our staff, what districts would impact us the most. We had a, a primary, a secondary, and a, a tertiary tier of, of communities that could impact us. I'll give you an example. If Milford, Hamden, and Wallingford are out, that's our primary. Those three districts could really jam us up. Um, and I noticed they were going to go out long term. And then we had secondary districts like the Sheltons, the Seymours, the, the Oxfords, Region 16, and um, Monroe was like our second. And then we had a tertiary um, list as well. But when we looked at doing the analysis of school-age children, we're looking to, because right now, at least before, Eugene, just so you know, you used to be able to test out of quarantine. By test out of quarantine, if, if I was positive and I was near you, they would say, you can go get tested tomorrow. And I would cover you for maybe two or three days because the test results would come back. Now they're saying you're going to have to wait four to seven days before you have enough viral load, um, before you would even, you know, your test for your test to be accurate. So now you're waiting, you know, say six days plus another three days. Now you're nine days out. You're staying out for the whole 14 days. Now, if you have, if you're a parent, if your spouse, if your child has to stay in, guess what? My staff are, are fam they have families. So what happens mm -hmm. is I lose, and I think I gave you the for instance, um, it was a Friday, I had three staff members out. That Monday, Seymour went out and Assumption was out. I had 12 staff members out of my 30 some odd at Antonia Middle School. I had a third of my staff. I, I, I mean, with, you know, with, with tape and glue, I, I was able to, to muscle through a Monday, but after that I had to shut it down because I didn't have um, staffing. I mean, I could put anyone in front of a class, but I want, I want a certified person in, in, in a room that you know my students can learn from. So um, it got to the point, and that was the threshold. It was, you know, COVID is one thing and I know our buildings are safe, but to safely staff our buildings, I mean, I had a kindergarten group or a group at one of our elementary schools. And I think in 35 days, they came into live instruction four days. Mm. And I, I just don't know. It, it, it was so fragmented. I mean, I even had parents say, just tell me one way or the other. We know it's happening. We know it's going to happen. You know, either just shut it down. So at least I could plan for my job. Neither way is pleasant. There's no right answers right now. There's no best answers. But I could tell you when I did shut down, I don't know where my phone number or my cell phone number is listed, but I had superintendents sending me text messages. Oh, I'm so happy that you did it. And I'm glad now they now they felt now they felt like a kindred spirit. Like I, but the thing is you you waited for me to do it. Well, yeah, there is that thing that happens that I've seen online. Uh, I mean, I spend my, I mean, I just learned today, you know, Comcast is going to be, uh, if you increase, if you go over a certain data limit every month, you're going to be hit with charges uh, coming next year. And I, I exceed that by a billion percent just by the nature of the job. Uh, but so I was watching online 
there was there was an attitude developing in the public to some extent. This is a small point because I'm not trying to be negative, but there was a small point a, 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 a belief out there that well, my school is staying in person and therefore we're doing the right thing. As if that just didn't make sense. You know, if 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 you're if you have to switch to remote learning, it's not a failure of the school district or I mean, the people in a community, uh, this is a pandemic that's going on. But uh, you just brought up a, a million good points that I don't think people were realizing uh, over the last month or so, uh, especially in terms of uh, going from testing out of quarantine to staying in. Because uh, so many, you know, the science on this and everything changes every day with this yeah. pandemic because it's brand new to us. Uh, but one thing I wanted to ask you, and I, and I had a hard time sort of following it and explaining it to readers uh, and then in social media, trying to sort of have back and forth with people, because there was this idea that from from the federal government and then uh, state government to some extent where they were saying, well, stay in school as long as you can stay in school as long as you can. And yet there were this there was the guidance from the state that came out uh, the first time we were all out back in, in March and April where it said if you hit a certain threshold, if you had community spread at a certain threshold set by the doctors and the scientists, you had to go remote or you at least had to take a hard look at it. I, I noticed the state uh, verbiage was a little vague, uh, which is probably on purpose because that's what bureaucrats do. But uh, did you have some of that uh, same misgivings there? Uh, I mean, I guess your point is, to, to summarize, uh, is that it, it really depends on the local situation. And uh, that's why the local control is so important here, which I think uh, the governor Lamont has sort of come around to that. Uh, but do, I mean, it, it had, did you feel guilty at all for having to go remotely? Uh, I did feel just because from, from a, actually just from a parent standpoint, to be honest, you know, I know, and maybe from the educator, the best place for kids is in our buildings. But I also knew from like a, a Papa Bear standpoint, if I can't keep the kids safe and I can't keep them, you know, adequately staffed with the right people, I'm not going to open up and do it. You know, you know, I don't want to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it all in. I'm going to do it the Ansonia way. I'm not going to do it kind of a mismatch, you know, and that's kind of what it looked like it was, it was turning into. And I'm like, this is not our best foot forward. And um, I, I also felt that um, look, listening to the doctors, but the level of guilt, I got to tell you, there was a level of that. But the other part was I got a call for, on my cell phone from the commissioner of education. So he's from Meriden. I'm from Meriden. Um, goes to my church. I know him quite well. Um, so I'm like, oh, man, I go talking about guilt. I'm like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. Uh, I'm going to get it right now. I felt like, you know, but he actually just called up just to check in to see how I was doing. He um, he understood where I was coming from. And uh he, he was like, listen, he was, you, you've always put kids in the front. He was, I've been here twice. He, he came to Ansonia twice already this past year, you know, and spoke to kids. And um, he goes, I, I know this was a, a tough decision for you. I'm like, uh, I'm like, Miguel, you, you don't. So yes, the level of guilt was there. And especially when the commissioner calls up. And the only thing that I thought was pretty cool that it was just to, just really to check in on, on me and check in on, on Sonia. But you're right. There was a, there was a, more of an obligation. Schools should be open, and you know you keep hearing, oh, in the, the you know the first time schools have ever been closed. They never closed when we had the the flu, uh, Spanish flu. They never closed. I just think um, you know things were different in March, but I think things are different now as well. Um, when I, I see just from November 20th to November 23rd in the Valley, 208 cases. I mean, I you just 
it's so hard, you know, to say, oh, you know, let's stay open because I don't know what the right answer is, but I can tell you for me to err on the side of, you know, being ultra, you know, conservative on this one and um, on, the, on the side of caution, I, I don't mind it, but there's a, there's a lot of evidence. And when your district medical advisor is pretty much saying, you know what, this is probably what you need to do. I mean, after, I mean, you were on that same, you know, yeah. you know meeting. I, I mean, if you didn't get that same impression from um, Dr. Casablanca, I mean, he was pretty uh, direct after he spoke to me. He goes, if I was the superintendent, he goes, uh, I don't know if I would stay open much longer if I were you. Yeah, I remember that was uh, very clear. And I've had a hard time uh, just as a reporter, one person uh, trying to sort of wield all the COVID information since March. And there's, I mean, one thing I think, that if we ever have an, another pandemic, and, and I, I hope to God we do not, but there, 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 it would help in the Valley uh, to have sort of one public information officer, one person who could explain, and this is probably impossible, who could explain, here's what's going on in the school districts, here's what's going on in our business community, because all the information is sort of all over the place. If you look to New Haven, they sort of have that, uh, but we're several different towns. Uh, I don't know where I was going uh, with that. But yeah, uh, one thing I wanted to point out is, you know, you can't deny the fact that we're in a second wave here. Uh, and the way people react to that is very interesting. You know, when I don't think uh, you're trying to spread fear. When I reported on Ansonia uh, debating whether to go remote and then finally uh, making the decision, not finally, but actually rather quickly making the decision to do so, the goal isn't to scare people. I mean, someone pointed out to me last week that, okay, yes, uh, testing is way up in the valley. The amounts of, uh, of people testing positive in the last 30 days is way up. We've had uh, now, I think, seven deaths in the last month that have been COVID-associated or COVID-probable. Yes, if you compare it to April, where we had six people dying a day in nursing homes, it's not the same. But, uh, you know, of course, it's not the same as it was when it was first introduced to our, to our world and we had no way to deal with it and we, we were just sort of trying to put out fires everywhere. Uh, but... Uh, you know, what's happening is happening. If I wanted to scare people, I would say there's been a 600 increase, 600% increase in deaths the last 30 days, but that's, that's just not the goal. Uh, so anyway, I just wanted to, to, to point that out. And you do bring up, yeah, I guess since, I mean, if we look at it one way, uh, there's been 255 deaths, uh, COVID associated or COVID probable uh, in the Valley since March, 217 COVID-19 associated deaths, laboratory confirmed, 38 probable. And, you know, 2.75 uh, of that came in the last 30 days. So I did, and, and, and the other thing I want to point out, uh, you know, I've had the, the Griffin Hospital uh, top doc on, infectious disease guy, talking about how, well, the, you know, the hospital's doing okay. They're not, they're not seeing people dying left and right like they were. Uh, in April, which is all all positive news, but it's definitely still here. But the lights at the end of the tunnel—do you get that impression, Doc? That if we can just get through this, we got to homeschool our kids for a couple of months through the through the new year. No one likes that. Uh, but the lights at the end of the tunnel—are you hearing that in education circles as well? And that's what I'm I'm really really hoping. That's kind of like where you know my heart is, and my promise, my hope is that you know we're going to have to stomach this muscle through this and that there is uh there is hope i mean every time i mean um i, I don't um try to i hate to say it 
I don't know what to believe anymore much now news or on what's what I'm reading or, or the most I've ever read on something and still I could get a you know a, a counterclaim on everything but I do feel um more confident now than I did in March that this was going to end not end but you know we'll be able to mitigate it and, and slow it down but I'd like to think that we're going to be returned to school you know whatever measures we have to put in place but I mean uh what I, 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 there is promise. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. That's what, that's what I would like people to think and, uh, and, and think and see. I'm, I'm not here to spread doom and gloom. I just want to be, you know, precautionary and have that pretty much that cautionary tale that I think we could do this correctly and do this well, keep people as safe as we can. And, and it's probably not perfect, but, um, yeah, we might have to homeschool our kids a little bit and, uh, and move through it. And I also know some families, I have, a, I have a, you know, my kids are younger, K to two. The only thing I could tell you, it's, um, it's tough. What the state wants us for hours, um, they want at least half of a day to be synchronous, asynchronous instruction. And I have people like, hey, li listen, it's too, too much time in front of the screen. <laughs> I agree. I'll be the first one to tell you. You know what? I, I don't want a kid sitting in front of a screen that long. We just have to find a delicate balance that also fulfills what the state is looking at us in their addendum four and says, hey, this is what we would like to see when it comes to what a school day should look like if it's gonna count for a remote learning day. Well, I think they should probably have some things that take into account kindergartners, you know, first, I mean, I mean, even for us in Ansonia, for example, I have them using tablets instead of the Chromebooks just because, I mean, I'm seeing, trying to watch my own daughter manipulate a laptop, the mouse, the, the, the touchpad. I mean, it was- um, It's tough. It, it's tough to watch. And so, you know, at least with a tablet, but the thing is, I, I, I know what the state was trying to do is, is give us that guidance and say, hey, this is the number of, of hours, or this is what a day needs to consist of. If you're not engaged over half the day, the day doesn't count. And so you're right, it goes into, I don't wanna see kids in front of a screen. I don't think this is gonna be forever. And nothing is close to being perfect at this juncture. And anyone who tells you that, any superintendent is like, oh, yeah, we have it all figured out, flip the channel because um, we, no one has it all figured out. Um, and let, let me ask you, Doc, if, if, if I'm a parent in Ansonia, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but uh, if I'm a parent in Ansonia who's struggling, maybe either my child isn't taking to online learning, maybe the session's dropping out, because I mean, you know, we all have to have a perfect internet connection now, yeah. as I realize I'm using my Wi-Fi instead of, I, did, I should have wired my computer. But what's your advice? What steps can a parent take who might be uh, frustrated? I mean, I was just saying, I was just yelling at my son. Uh, literally yelling at him to try to get his work done because that last hour of the day is always a push. What can they do? How can they cope? Who can they turn to for help? Well, it's funny. It, I, I We were just talking. I, I had the same conversation with my daughter. I'm like, listen, you have to read or go on your, your the reading program. It's I think we use Lexia. You, know, you got to go on for at least a half hour. And it's like, uh, it, it does, it's difficult for everyone. So who can you reach out to? First, if it's your child's in a remote class, your child's teacher, number one, um, to see what they can get for help or assistance. And if it's, if it's even bigger than that, it's the administrator. But if you need someone for them to, they, we still have our social workers that are on. We still have our social, um, our school psychologists. We have our school climate people, even just someone for the kids to talk to. What I found, and this is even funnier, that sometimes the parents just needed someone else to talk to before they even, they didn't even put the kid on the line yet. Hmm. It was just, 
it was more, and um, we do have a relationship with PCRC. Uh, I mean, so if there are, I mean, I've read some articles about if, um, you know, just because of lack of social interaction, some kids that are in a, beyond a funk, I don't like using the word depression to throw it out, but you know, they, they want to see people. Just this morning, my daughter's like, can we just talk to anybody? Anybody mm-hmm. at that FaceTime? And, and I get it. Uh, so we have those community connections between uh, BH Care, PCRC, but we have our own staff that's available. And when it comes to internet, um, we have 400 Comcast vouchers. So for families that do not have um, internet, and uh, even if they did have a bill uh, or a balance, um, we give them a voucher with a, uh, it, it has like um, a password and uh, they can get in for those in some areas that um, either the vouchers and or the, the Wi-Fi Comcast doesn't work as well. I have um, Kajit hotspots. I have about, I gave about 50 of them away. I probably have about a hundred more. Um, okay. I got it from the, uh, from the state department of education. They provide some laptops and connectivity. So when it comes to connectivity, we're, we're here to help. Um, I, I would tell you before you reach out into Facebook, which is the ether, if that's not the, that's not. And what I found is some parents, they, maybe they feel better by saying something out there, but the, the real way is, is asking either the child's teacher or the administrator and, because there is help out there. And I don't want to sound cliche, oh, we're in this together, but listen, one thing about this time is giving all of us time to reflect, time to think about what's really important and what, what matters most. And, and what I found is Ansonia is one of the toughest and strongest communities when we work together. And you know what? You can either go on Facebook and say whatever you have to say or direct that question or that issue towards someone who could really help you out because, um, it's Facebook doesn't always really, it's not always there to help you, but we have tech staff, we have support staff. So I would tell people, listen, reach out. And if we can't help, we will. And if we can't, we'll direct you to where you can get more help, but it's, it's not easy. And I know some struggles are much greater than others. But, yeah. And, and one thing, like, I don't think it is a cliche. I think it's important. I mean, I need to hear that we're in this together, you know, as one parent over in Derby, uh, I, uh, we are all in this together and I just can't wait for Thanksgiving this year. I mean, it's just going to be me, my wife and my two kids, but I don't know if you feel that way as well. There is, I just can't wait to have some downtime. Uh, you know, it's, yeah, I'm not seeing my, I haven't seen my mother over in New York. She's 83. I haven't seen her since uh, February, but, uh, what are your feelings on, on Thanksgiving? Uh, cause in some ways it, it makes it more special given everything we're going through. It, it, it does. It, it gives you pause. It gives you reason to pause in what you are thankful for. And uh, by coming together, I can only tell you, like, for example, superintendents, uh, oftentimes they hold things, their cards pretty close. Oh, we're doing this. And they don't want to tell you the magical things that they're doing. I, I've seen superintendents more forthcoming, more help, helpful. I mean, I talk to Doc Conway all the time. I love giving him a hard time. So like, for example, in the Valley, we talk to each other very, very often. And it's something that I actually hope it continues after COVID. I hope that that level of camaraderie continues because it's um, oftentimes it's not really seen that way. But I did hear a great idea um, from the media specialist at our high school. And I, I think it's funny because um, Ansonia, to not talk about Ansonia football during Thanksgiving is just something that it, it's hard not to um, associate one without the other. Mm-hmm. And it's... Um, She's like, um, her name is Pam. She's like, you know, I'm going to, she was Googling like, you know, games of the past. And I actually think I'm going to watch one of the 
if I could find on YouTube an old Ansonia Thanksgiving football game, and so I can still feel like uh, I'm having a traditional Thanksgiving, more intimate, which just not my extended family, even though it sounds horrible, but you know, there's nothing better than waking up early in the morning. Um, sometimes people go to their different social places and um, gather and then go to the game. This would have been a home game for us. I would have loved to then, you know, superintendent walking on the Nolan field. And, but um, I think I'm going to have to do it virtually this year and maybe watch an old game. I think I'm going to try to either 94 or 95 is one of the games I'm trying to find. And you could absolutely do that. I know it was uh, Sean Morse, this guy, and Mike Kenichi of Derby who were running the, uh, I believe it was Derby Ansonia Classic Football on YouTube. They were taking a lot of the Comcast originals, or then I guess it was, uh, it was under another name whose name escapes me, but they were digitizing. So those are definitely on YouTube. That's a great idea. And the other thing, before we... Uh, before I let you go, and thank you so much for coming on, you've only been Ansonia superintendent for a year, which is just, that just blows my mind because it feels like 12. Yeah, it's dog years now. It's dog years, definitely. Um, it, it, it was a great honor, number one, you know, coming here as the assistant super, and I never would have thought in my first year, you know, we were, we were, we were firing on all, all cylinders. We were ready to go. I was the very, probably, probably the only superintendent who wanted testing to happen come la like at last March before we shut down. I'm like, listen, our scores, the way our students were working, our families, our teachers. I mean, I, I give credit from everyone, from our secretaries to our, our custodial, to our food service. They, everything was just firing. I was like, this is a great, I, I want to test because I want to show the community what, how much growth has happened in, in a year. And then COVID hits. So I'm like, man, first year as superintendent to uh, have a shutdown. And then for them to say, I'll get packets together. By the grace of God, I asked our teachers, I said, all right, listen, we'll get packets together. And then two days later, we handed out 1,800 laptops and we became a one-to-one -one district. And my staff and my administrators in the community, they willed it to happen. Most districts roll out one-to-one, -one, probably in about three years. And we did it in three days. So mm -hmm. in, year, in year one to roll out a one-to-one -one program, which is not perfect. There's usually a lot more training for families and parents to help them with the technology and assure that they have technology. But to do that in year one and then year two to open up in hybrid, which, listen, no one has ever opened up in a hybrid. Hey, what does it look like? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I have an idea what it should look like. But, um, you know, how, how about you just go one week? one week on one week off or this listen yes so for year one and year two i'm gonna say I, I, if it's dog years I, i'm probably about 12 and a half years in if if we're gonna use dog years right now yeah it's incredible and you know one last thing i, I want to thank you for uh being open because every letter you've sent out uh you know traditionally schools i mean i've been a reporter now for i i think like i don't know since 1998 i don't know how to add uh, and that's not counting college, high school, but schools could be institutions. Uh, th they're open with certain things and very prickly about others. But uh, you have been sending out letters and sharing them, not just with the school community, but uh, to Mike Mako at the Post and myself. So uh, the greater community uh, is informed about, and I'm just talking specifically COVID, but uh, I do really appreciate that because uh, it helps. Uh, and, and you, and then, you know, I made a mistake. I took something off Facebook, uh, thinking like, well, superintendent Ansoni is never going to get back to me. And, uh, you got, you were right away. You were like, Hey, that's wrong. And I corrected it. Uh, and I apologize for that, but you've been great, uh, to work with. And I very much appreciate that. Well, so. listen, 
I appreciate you because you know I, I try. I told you you have my cell phone number, and I, I, I want the public to also know that it, it should be an open process. You know, you should know what's going on you sh if you have questions. But uh, if we if I don't help with the narrative, you're not. No one's going to understand it. If there's a void or a vacuum, people fill in the narrative for what they what they what they think or what they want. There's just a lot of innuendo and conjecture, and this is not the time for innuendo or conjecture. We need facts and people need the information. I, I look at this, I have people's children in my building. Guess what? You wanna know what's going on and you're, you should know. So that's why I told you, anytime you need something, give me a call. I said you, and I said the same thing to Mike. So you know what, hopefully uh, we could do more of these and have th these honest conversations so the public knows you know, where we are and what's going on. All right, sir. Well, happy Thanksgiving. And, Thank uh, you. and thanks again. Good luck with everything. I appreciate it. Much appreciated. Take care. All right. Take care.